0: it's funny people always be like don't forget about the little people it's like why do they refer themselves as little anyway you know why don't you just get big with me they can see it in my eyes
1: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of john's untitled podcast this week's guest is fallon bowman formerly of kitty Also of Amphibious Assault and her solo stuff, which are one and the same, but slightly different for a few different reasons, as you'll hear later in this episode. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank her again for taking the time to do this episode. She was very warm and bubbly in our conversation, as you'll hear, and go to the Chicago Tattoo Convention. Sadly, my tattoo did not place in the Tattoo of the Day competition that I entered it in, but I walked away with a really great tattoo regardless. But overall it was a it was a lot of fun with some friends and i was able to talk to john james ryan junior while him and the four year strong guys were rolling through chicago on tour and we sat down and did a podcast and while most of it was about wrestling i'd say a good half of it was about wrestling it was just you know fun to bullshit and meet a meet a guy that i've heard a lot of great things about and he is as nice and polite and big-hearted as I have heard he has been or heard him that he is from everyone that uh, that I know that knows him so it was really great getting to catch up with him and hopefully we will maybe have him on down the road as well to delve more into some of the issues that we we scratched the surface of on on that podcast which you'll hear probably in about a month and lastly you may have noticed on the Douglas Robinson episode that I posted uh, a week ago that I had extra new intro music I don't think I've ever talked about the intro music at all. Uh, I put it in the show notes and stuff like that in case anyone wants to look and see who it is. But officially on the podcast, I am going to say that the intro music is by a Buffalo rapper by the name of Shay Hawk. I've known Shay for... known of Shea for a long time. Uh, I would say over a decade at this point. And... We have been in constant contact over the various social medias that have existed in, in a decade or so, from MySpace all the way now to Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Dude's been super supportive of everything that uh, I have been doing, whether it be booking shows or starting this podcast. Shay had uh, given me the go-ahead to use some of his music for you know, however I saw a fit to use. I couldn't think of any better music to pick than Shay's as far as being a representation of an artist who grows, someone who constantly is evolving to better put out a product that represents them, Um, and I kind of feel like that mirrors what I'm trying to do with this podcast. So the new song that I started using and will continue to keep using as the the kickoff intro music is a song called Ambition, and it's off of his uh, Blues of a Journeyman record, Uh, and the other song that I've been using that has always been on here is a song called Chin Ups, Uh, And that is off the record Dance Party for the Heavy Hearted. Uh, Again, I believe you can find that on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you find music. Simply put, uh, go check out Shayhawk. He is super awesome. I think you will dig his music. Uh, It's very expansive as far as the styles of music and the lyrical content. And uh, as you see, if you look at any of his videos, he is also a visual artist as well. So definitely looking forward to him on the podcast sometime maybe this year uh without further ado here is my chat with fallon bowman enjoy so welcome to another episode of my podcast I have the pleasure today of speaking to Fallon Bowman. As I learned today, I have been mispronouncing that name the entirety (laughs) of of following her career in various forms. How are you doing today?
2: I'm fantastic, thank you for asking. How are you?
1: I'm out of work and I have a cocktail in front of me, so I'm doing a lot better.
2: Woohoo! (laughs)
1: I always feel like people are secretly judging me when they can see me drinking. And I'm like, I already put in my eight-plus hours of work or whatever, so.
2: So this is my downtime where I get to talk to cool people, so.
1: Yeah, actually. That's what I
2: would. Yes,
1: that's very much what it is. Um, I do
2: not have a cocktail, unfortunately. I did have water, but I could go get wine. But, you know, that's, yeah.
1: (laughs) What is your uh, preferred? Make this
2: really really interesting interview.
1: What is your preferred wine? Are you a red or a a white or a dry, uh, sweet?
2: I'm a I'm a red, um but generally if it's there I'll drink it, not going to lie.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. actually most wine drinkers like you go wine tasting and people are like you know, you start off with your samples and you're trying to be polite and taking the small sips and doing all the fancy, you know, swirling around, looking at the legs and then it just turns into by yeah. the third sample you're like fuck it, give it to me. It's a shot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but then again i have tasted bad wine. so once you've tasted bad wine and then you've tasted good wine um you know then you, your palate can be can distinguish these these differences but at the same time sometimes it just, you you reach a point where you're like okay i'm 3 glasses in who cares so it doesn't even matter what it tastes like at this point.
1: See, i've been living here in uh in michigan specifically grand rapids we have been deemed beer city USA the last 3 years in a row. And the irony has been uh, a lot of, like, I enjoy a lot of good beers and really expensive beers. Same with liquors and stuff like that. Sure. But on the flip side, if I'm broke, I don't care if I have a dollar can of PBR or whatever. It's like, (laughs) if you go into it thinking it's going to be the best tasting beer in the world, then you're going to be, I guess it's all in what you're expecting out of it. So I, I feel like that's, it's funny, like I said, watching wine drinkers try to be all snooty about their wine and, oh, I only buy these kinds of things and it's like, you know, I can enjoy, you know, a good port wine or whatever, but on the flip side, sometimes a box of Franzia is just as good as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the box wine. Slap the oh, bag. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I've, i can say that I've had box wine once in my entire life, really? and it was Gatto Negro? Gatto Negro. Negro, yep. Yeah. yeah, and it was box wine and it was I when I was living in Denmark, I was in school there. Um, and somebody bought boxed wine i'm like i don't think i've ever actually drank boxed wine so i'm kind of scared yeah it's totally not worth the hangover <laughs> I know, not, Yeah, it was really not like i mean sometimes you're like you know what i'm going to invest in this hangover i might as well just you know give her but mm, no not worth it definitely not
1: actually speaking of you being out in denmark and over in overseas in general uh yeah. have you found that like a good wine that you are un- sad that you can't always find it as readily available as maybe say a Franzia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they do have Gato Negro there. Uh-uh, Th- that's bit. for sure. And I, and I know that we have that here too. Um, but there is one particular wine that I found. I'm a pretty big Spanish wine fan. So pretty much anything made in Spain, I generally will drink it, which is hilarious because people are like, Oh, Italian wine is the best of French wines, but, I'm all about Spain, so um, there's one this one particular brand of wine that I found there that I can't find anywhere else, and it makes me so sad because it's such an excellent wine. But um, yeah, and it's and it's and it's relatively cheap, actually. Maybe <laughs> uh, I guess it would be like maybe eight dollar, eight or nine dollars US, like cheap, but so good. So.
1: In in preparing for this interview, uh, as we were talking before we hit record, um, it's it's kind of hard to find information about you. You're not one that's done a lot of interviews, and and uh, some of the few things you've done are very sparse. Um, I don't know if that's a, a deliberate plan to keep people interested <laughs> in, in your doings, <laughs> so you're not oversaturating people with like the story of you or what you've been up to, uh, like it seems to be with the social age that we live in, but... Um, as I was saying, I find it kind of interesting that uh, you've been able to keep so much of your life uh, kind of to yourself, um, and what little tidbits I could find, I, I always found interesting, like the fact you were speaking about being in Denmark, and I spoke of you being in Italy. Um, I ended up finding out that you... Is it a master's in archaeology?
2: Yeah, it's, my master's is actually in classics. Classics, the, that's right. focus on ar- uh, classical archaeology, yeah.
1: So how did how did you choose that career path
2: um this is gonna be a really convoluted story but it's actually kind of cool so <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh there was this movie it was a made for tv movie that came out um about this kid and i think his name is darren darren Heunerman, darren Huneman. anyways this kid this happened out in bc um in canada this kid became obsessed with this Albert Camus play called *Caligula*. Okay, and he legitimately thought that he was the reincarnation of Caligula. Caligula was a uh, an emperor in the first century uh, A.D. A- a- ad or ce depending on if you're a christian or not okay anyway so he he literally thought he was the uh the reincarnation of this roman emperor and he felt like he could control people's minds and stuff so he was actually kind of cuckoo bananas and they did this movie about him um and based on me watching this movie i'm like i know nothing about these roman people so i read up on it And this was right after I was like maybe a year and a half after I left the band. So I was like super depressed about my life and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Should I do school? What should I do? And blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So I read up on it and I got super interested in it probably for the same reasons that he got interested in it, funnily enough. Um, And Oh, the, the thing that's even crazier about him is that he I believe he was also a serial killer or something. He became a serial killer. <laughs> that that's what's that's really fucked up about it is that he was a serial killer who was obsessed with this play and anyway, so uh I got interested in it through this crazy serial killer guy basically. <laughs> that's how I got I'm like, okay, well he introduced me to this play about that you know, about the Romans and I read up on it and I was like, "Oh my god." So that was me fangirling over uh, the Romans, so
1: yeah. So, were you big into like mythology and like Greek and Greek mythology and all that kind of stuff as well, or no?
2: I think it was more the a uh, little bit of that, but also the extravagance of it, of the time, of the, especially of the like the, the peak periods of the, of their is you know sort of culture and whatnot. So that I think was interesting to me. The mythology as well, of course. Um, but ultimately, the, it was the archaeology that really got me.
1: So it wasn't Indiana Jones.
2: I mean, I liked Indiana Jones, but
1: <laughs> That's uh, low-hanging fruit.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, I, I like Indiana Jones, but that wasn't that. That wasn't. The, it was this this crazy kid that it was the catalyst for me. I don't know. It's
1: um, weird, like that. <laughs> trying to think of the the timeline roughly of when you would have left kitty would were you still obviously i would say assume you were still around like college age so you weren't like starting later than like your peers or anything like that um mm
2: -hmm. Uh, when i started i think i was actually a little bit older than other people like maybe by a a year or so
1: something i've of, as i say something i've kind of wondered too was uh do you feel like maybe you touring as much as you did in Kitty allows you to kind of maybe most college age kids, <laughs> if they go like right out of high school, you hear so many people like changing their majors, not being sure of of who they want to be or what they want to do. Do you feel like maybe that gave mm-hmm. you a leg up, kind of getting a little bit of a later head start and kind of having hit the road as much as you did and kind of explored the world?
2: I think it definitely helped. And that's I I think why uh I did so well too, because I was able to not get bogged down with adulting. If that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yes, it does. You know,
2: like, Oh oh my God, like I have to do this, I have to do that or whatever. And I'm like, I've already been doing that for like five years. (laughs) So it's, it's fine. Um, you know, living on your own or doing all that kind of thing. I I basically was already doing that. So, um, I, I, I do think it did help significantly. In fact, do you feel like,
1: uh, you, obviously your experiences were <laughs> very widely different than most people's would have been. Um, did you find it a little bit hard maybe to relate to some of the people, like some of your peers that you would have met through some of your classes or does that uh, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: unfortunately that was, that was the trade off. I didn't have a quote unquote normal um, adolescence in a lot of ways. I didn't get to experience, you know, prom or any of those sort of, or teenage love or any of that stuff. I never had to, I could I never, I didn't start dating until I was like 20. <laughs> so like, like I just didn't have, didn't have any of those experiences. So it was really like, oh man, I can't even relate to like, you know, these, you know, these American movies about high school kids. Like, I'm like, I can't relate to this.
1: <laughs> did anyone, did anyone know who you were? I mean, cause you, did you, went to school, you said in, in BC or was that where the, no, nope,
2: in, in Ontario, Ontario this, okay. this, the, the BC thing was this, uh, this, I'll send the, the link to you okay. so that you can see it. But anyways, no, I went to school in, uh, in Ontario and I actually went back to high school right away. Oh, wow. Um, like physically to high school. Um, just cause I felt that that was important for me to, to graduate. mentally, I think, oh. and for me to sort of, yeah, to graduate as well it was really important to me as well. So
1: um yeah it's gotta be weird like i i'm kind of sorry to harp on on uh, the pre-time but as someone who went no. to high school and did all that kind of stuff it's like you always hear of like like i'm thinking of like <laughs> this really dates me uh jonathan taylor thomas and people like that who yes. you know were like doing lion king and doing uh you know a home improvement and stuff like that and had uh teachers on the set and had like traveling tutors or whatever for them so they can continue doing their work. Was that ever something you, you ladies had to do at all or?
2: No, we tried. I I tried anyways to do, I don't remember what it was. I think it was just like an English class or something. When we first started touring, we didn't even have like, we had just gotten signed and I tried to do it and it it just, it was legitimately the last thing I wanted to do.
1: How how did your parents actually feel about that? Because I mean, on the one hand, I can totally see them being like, "Wow, you you were passionate about this this band thing," to the point now where you're you're able to pro- progress and kind of have a career, but with mm-hmm. it being at such a young age, it's like, you know, do you was there like a weird like hesitation of like, well, I really would like you to go to school, but <laughs> this is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing, so maybe.
2: Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yep, yeah, definitely the second. Definitely, <laughs> they, You know, my parents were in a lot of ways very not conservative, but just you know, they just wanted the best for me. But they saw that, that there was so much passion and so much dedication in me to want to do this. That my my father is in the performing arts as well, so we kind of understood where this came from I'm like it came from you (laughs) (laughs) damn it (laughs) I inherited it from you so okay so he understood to some degree and uh he knew that I was in good hands and you know that I had a good head on my shoulders I think I, I think if I had a different kind of personality then he probably wouldn't have let me do it but he knew that I was I could probably handle it so
1: what a. I mean with the internet being what it is now you can kind of find a scene whether it be in your your hometown or home state or whatever or even in the tri-state area. Um yeah. but back then with the internet not really being even around what was there really a scene out in Canada? Like I'm trying to think of bands and most of the bands I'm coming up with are very radio friendly like, you know, your yeah. Our Lady Pieces and
0: Stuff like that, (laughs) so it's
1: like you're not really, uh, I'm not really thinking of too many, personally, too many metal bands uh, coming out of that area, but was there really a a thriving scene back when you first started the band and all that, playing, playing out in general? Mm,
2: There were, there were other local bands, uh, and we had a relatively healthy metal scene for being such a small city at the time. Um, So... Uh, surprisingly, yes. And then we sort of branched out to meet other metal bands uh, in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, there were, there was actually quite, but none of them really became like big, quote unquote. But um, that, not that I can think of. Oh no! Now I'm gonna probably eat my words. i are gonna be <laughs> like, you forgot about us. I'm, like, I'm sorry. Uh, That's just really. Uh, weird. As I say, it's yeah. just been
1: kind of really weird like I said, trying to, prepping for this, doing a lot of backtracking and just kind of trying to find any interviews you you had done specifically or uh, been a part of. And I feel like there's just, it seemed from my perspective and living within a lot closer, I would say than most people uh, listening live from Michigan to Canada's, you know, not as astronomically as far as like saying like California, depending on where you're going. But um, it just kind of seemed like you guys just kind of, I keep saying guys, and my grandmother would hate me for that because she always. Yes. Uh, yeah. She always, uh, whenever we'd go to a restaurant, like my parents and I would cover our faces because we knew that my grandmother was going to go, I don't know about the guys, but us ladies would like. Um,
2: oh, okay. So. I, actually, you know, I've had a couple of people who are like, their second language is, is English, and they always ask me, like, why is it that you, when you go into a store, for example, here, anyways, I'm like, yeah, do you guys have any. <laughs> xyz I'm like yeah. yeah but you're not talking to guys i'm like yeah but that's just a flavor of the english language like we just kind of use some almost kind of sexist language it's just yeah just, yeah it's just the way it is like I, and it's not meaning to be offensive it's just
1: no just, no no you. i yeah. but i whenever I, i'm very aware of it and i try not to do it just because i know my grandmother would be really upset with
0: me <laughs> <laughs> but
1: um when looking up uh interviews with you ladies um I, I don't really ever think I've found anything that kind of discussed the very beginning per se uh, about, you know, you got you all playing around and you know, it just kind of seemed like, boom it just happened and here you got, here you all are playing, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. here's a CD in, in stores, you know whatever for us to, to buy, so I haven't really seen too much about the, the beginning part of you all playing out and kind of growing your band
2: Yeah, and it was really it, 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 it actually the time from the time that we started in the 96 sort of loosely playing shows, uh, battle of bands and stuff like that um, up until we, when we got signed in 1999 um, is actually, that's actually pretty quick considering other bands maybe do 10 or 15 years. We, we just, I think it was a combination of sort of timing and whatnot, but at any rate, yeah, we were playing Battle of Bands. We were playing, contacting clubs, especially in Toronto. And we would like get my my friend's dad to drive us or something like that. We'd bring all of our equipment. Yeah, yeah, like legitimately. Actually, how did that work? Because I
1: know around here, like, you can't play at places if you're underage. So, how did that work for all of
2: you? You know what? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea how that was even legal. Because they knew that we were young, like that we were uh, fifteen. I was fourteen. I was the youngest. No, I was not the youngest. <laughs> I was the youngest. But she was. She's like two two months younger than me, so we're pretty much the same age. And uh, like we were kids, like little kids. When I think about my niece, who is well, she's sixteen now. Like going to that's, a bar. That's like what? Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I think it's just because the parents were there, um, you know, to supervise, which supervise – what did they supervise? Nothing. So, <laughs> you know, um, we go into another room and, you know, sneak a beer or something. Uh, well, that, and I guess the, the laws in Canada with
1: drinking ages are a lot more lax. Like, I think the legal drinking age is, what, 19?
2: 19, yeah.
1: Okay. 19. 18 in Quebec. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Everyone – that's another, like, Michigan thing I never did. Like, everyone would go – up to go canada. to canada i never did i still have never been to canada actually
2: what i know it's so
1: close and i, I don't know just have never 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 gone never, never not yet, gone. Well, not yet.
2: well you never know it, it's it, we're gonna be here for a while believe, <laughs> so yeah
1: um so you end up going to college and was the was the pursuit always to to see it through to a master's or was that just kind of no nope. a, a, no just a kind of a slow <laughs> Well, I got this far, I guess I'll go for, you know, your what is it, yeah. a doctorate and then a masters.
2: Uh, masters and then I've applied to do my my doctorate yeah, actually doctorate. now. So, so that I can become a doctor. That's all I want. I just want to be like Dr. Fallon Bowman. That's <laughs> very important to me. So,
1: I have to get brand new business cards.
2: Indeed, indeed. We've got to go all the way.
1: So, you end up going to school for classics. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you have to go through, like, an internship where you go on various digs, or is it more of, like, coursework where you're going to maybe even your own college where you were at to, like, be a, an understudy or a teacher's assistant, or what What does your beginning process of the job look like?
2: See, it really depends, because classics is one of those things um, that is a, it's a very, very old discipline that a lot of very... Um, eh, dare I say uppity, <laughs> very rich uppity white men would do for uh, in it, as a pastime, basically, to just translate Latin and Greek texts and stuff like that. So um, in Canada anyways, and in the U.S., that's what's mainly what it's based on. And the archaeology part of it, especially in North America, is only within the last maybe 30 or 40 years become a thing, or maybe even 30 years, I would say um uh so that was unfortunately because I don't I'm not really a classic classical classist <laughs> in that way. I I don't like translating. I don't like sitting and doing those sorts of things. It's not my my bag. I like to go out and actually physically dig and be more practical about it. And that was uh, and so basically they're they're in the process of tr- of sort of changing the program to be more dynamic and more modern day as opposed to you know the same program that they've had since you know 18 whatever you know what I mean right so um as a as a student uh, as a master student I was a teaching assistant and I taught classes as well as um as well as help the the help profs and stuff like that so that's sort of was my everyday
1: did you ever latch onto the teaching side. Like, is that something you may ever want to do? Definitely. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It's always interesting. I always feel like people who are interested in teaching, I feel like just have a lot of patience (laughs) and are able to articulate themselves very well.
2: Uh huh. Oh yeah. And you, you get to, you hear legitimately everything, every kind of excuse, every, you have all kinds of people coming into your office hours and asking you, questions that you never th- thought that you'd hear from, th- say, you know, third year university students. I'm like, you don't know these things yet. And it says a lot of has it, it highlights a lot of glaring issues with the educational system in Canada, I guess. Um, when, you know, they can't write an essay, uh, effectively. Um, you know, and, and in, in their, their defense, I, I didn't learn how to write an essay effectively into my first year of university because like, you know tell me ask me about grammar or anything like that I knew zero about it and how it was things were constructed and all this blah 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 so I took a course dedicated to it because I knew that it was going to help me and basically that's what I was having to deal with was just being very patient with people that did not have that background um yeah
1: I've walked as I was talking with on a different podcast with uh T.J. Miller from Still Remains Uh, Something I wanted to kind of talk to him about, having been in a band, a touring band for like 10 years, and then the band kind of stopped hitting the road completely, more or less. Um, But as we were discussing the transition from being in a full-time touring band to then getting readjusted to, I'll just say, quote unquote, normal life, um, (laughs) how your skills you learn on the road being in a band, how they actually are really applicable to, you know, getting a job, a real job. Um. Did you? I guess I'll pose the same question. Like, did you find that when you were kind of going back to school or having to do, you know, things more day to day, that you were able to apply a lot of the, what you had learned on the road to your day to day life? In very like different I think ways. So.
2: Yeah, especially with regards to sort say time management or something like that. We had a very full day of meeting with different people, um, and so you sort of had to put on a bit of a, uh, a, a show or, a, yeah, a bit of a um, your your sales pitch with a lot of people because you had to be, you know, very composed and ready and, uh you know, articulate and whatnot. That's a lot of pressure to put on a 16 year old to to sound like, you know, what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> um <laughs> So, um I feel like that helped me, especially when I started getting into doing theater and acting and whatnot. Cause I, I just kind of knew that I had to put on a show, um, uh, to some degree. And also even in getting like jobs, like I just knew that, okay, I'm like, I've got to turn on the charm. Right. I got to right. get, like it was, you know, getting uh, radio stations to play us. For example, I remember very distinctly there was, um, our publicist came in and was like, yo, so this radio station, this this radio host is being a little bit of a dick, doesn't really want to play you guys. So turn on the charm. So that's exactly what we did. And it was basically selling our product, quote unquote, to this person who was not feeling it. So I, it was basically taking that idea and applying it to uh, it's to getting a regular job at a wherever or selling something to someone in a, um, in a clothing store or whatever. It's the same principle. It's just, you know, selling different products.
0: Right.
1: I guess that's going to be as good as any segue for me to, to bring up something I've kind of been discussing with my wife and, and playing around with. Um, mm-hmm. I talked to you earlier about something that I, And I I think it's because, like, I'm in this weird part, like, where, as I've kind of been discussing on a few other podcasts that I've done, when you hit, like, your late 20s, early 30s, you just kind of start re looking at at not only the the youth, the culture coming up below you, and kind of looking back to how you grew up and and kind of in conjunction to maybe, like, the people that came, you know, a little bit before you and just kind of putting it all into a perspective of just your life. Um, But something I've kind of been going back through and thinking about is, uh like i said in the instance of you and tj miller and and like nick from it dies today all of you were signed in a band at a pretty young age i would say you more so the youngest out of all of them um mm-hmm. by a few years at least uh but I, i've been kind of latching onto this this concept of like people growing up and maturing at different ages and and what being in a signed band kind of you know basically your band is a is a business uh Mm -hmm. at that point and a product that people are expecting you know you to make and distribute and so forth and all the Mm -hmm. things that go into being in in a signed band and how it affects your growth as a as a adolescent trying to figure out who they are and all the extra pressures maybe it puts on you or or, and maybe i'm putting that on to these people and yourself included (laughs) um but i just think back to uh not knowing what the fuck i wanted to do or who the fuck i was at 15 16 <laughs> let alone worrying about having to sell myself to somebody else so that maybe i get an extra five spins a day in, you know wherever the fuck you are yeah that the added pressures that that puts on you as a person and what it does to you as you grow up you know progress as a, as a person and as an individual um i don't know if that's something you would like to elaborate on at all but it's something i've been finding very interesting the more i, I think about it
2: I think it, it certainly had a very um, marked influence on me having to, to come to that realization that, okay, this isn't just us playing, <clears throat> us playing in the basement anymore. It's a business. It's something with its own life that we need to keep feeding in order to, you know, move on, keep going. Um, and that was something I had to realize very quickly. And I think to some degree at some point it stopped being fun. And it, you know, kind of was at odds with me being an adolescent and going through all these really weird feelings of relation, even more so than you normally would, um, and having to, to sort of play that out in public was difficult. And so... It, it's, it's kind of a weird comparison because I'm, I'm like n- nobody in comparison to some of these people. But like when I see these, these ce- celebrities, young celebrities that have these complete meltdowns and you people like, ah, ha, 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 this person is, you know, losing her friggin' marbles. I'm like, men don't, don't give her shit or her, him or her shit, because it's so easy to, to, to get there. Um, when you're, when you're going through this really weird, uh, Time Uh, in your life, stage. Time in your life that you're playing out in front of everybody, and you can't make mistakes because people are sort of putting you on this, either on, like, I mean, in some cases, putting you on a pedestal or under a microscope, or you know, you're being scrutinized all the time. Um, So it definitely had a profound effect on me because after I left the band, I didn't know who the hell I was. I'm like, okay, now I didn't know who I was then. Still trying to figure out who I am now and i think i'm still trying to figure out who i am now as a 30 year old <laughs> um so yeah i think it def- definitely is is uh was a difficult road to travel
1: i will say that something and kind of speaking to this something once you had left the band you had posted and i'm kind of hopping ahead quite a bit you posted on your tumblr tumblr uh a couple months ago when that whole Facebook trend of uh list the albums of your youth that influenced you and have stuck with you uh yep. you took it from ten to sixty <laughs> and gave a <laughs> gave a, an explanation of why on each of them um yep. as someone who's very loosely followed your career over the the past decade plus um between amphibious assault and then the pig face the time in pig face and uh onto your solo career. Yes. Your list is a very good representation, I think, of the many facets of you musically um, that have shaped you. And upon leaving Kitty, I think Amphibious Assault probably caught a lot of people off guard yep. due, to, <laughs> due to it just being—it's not a metal band; it's not you know as aggressive outwardly i would say i think if yeah. you really take it in and kind of compare it to a lot of the, the contemporary stuff that you were influenced by i think that the uh aggression is in a completely different form as opposed to just being down guitars and loud aggressive music you know uh, outwardly um yep. but how hard was it for you to find who you were musically around that same time like were you uh-huh. were you trepid in, in deciding that amphibious assault was the 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 launching point for you is, I guess a solo career at that point?
2: Um, at first, yes, because I got so much hate from metal, like diehard metal heads <clears throat> <laughs> that they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like your band sucks. And it was like a, a sort of, you know, residual kitty fans that were mad that I left the band in the first place. And it was, yeah, it was, it it was, it was difficult, but I knew that it was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. So I was, I wasn't a little bit hesitant at first. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Like if you're going to be, if you're not going to embrace the fact that I have evolved into something else or I've evolved musically or whatnot, like then that's fine. You don't have to listen to me. That's cool. Uh, but I, I was still dead set that that was where I wanted to go with it. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and I'm, I'm still. That's it's still what gets me going, basically. So.
1: Do you find even um, though? Sorry, go ahead.
2: <clears throat> no, no, I'm still trying to clear the clock. <laughs> <coughs> Thank you. <clears throat> yep.
1: Um. No, I was gonna say, do you find, and and I guess now. It's kind of fun doing these on occasion because, like, other projects have popped up since, you know, a lot of these things. So initially maybe when I wanted to have reached out, like, the the whole Kitty documentary thing wasn't even a forethought. um, Yeah. At least as far as to the public anyway. Um, Yeah. So before that, do you still find, like, that people are still probably very much like myself where it's like, we know you basically from Kitty... Don't really know that you did anything else, although, like on my end, it's not necessarily the case. But generally speaking, most of the fans you have have kind of followed you from from the beginning, and that you've maintained these fans, you know, for a, over a decade at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely not making any new fans that have never heard of me for sure. Most of the people have been the ones that have followed me from Kitty all the way to
1: now. See, what's kind of weird is I would have figured you would have gained a completely different fan base from your time in Pig Face because that's that's such a super group of people or maybe to the point where there's so many people involved that people don't know who's actually involved because it's like, what, yep. 200 or 100 200. plus people? Yeah, yep, definitely. so maybe I guess that's actually, I just answered my own question that maybe you, you, <laughs> you fall into this weird anonymity of just being a member oh. within this super large, larger thing.
0: Yep, yep, definitely.
1: <laughs> um, with what little bit I've actually been able to find, because uh, as I found very quickly, most of your stuff is not on iTunes. Uh, but then no. upon doing some digging, I found that it was because you wanted people to find your music and have to come to you to get to it, get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that being the case, I kind of was able to find some of your solo stuff on, uh, on YouTube and whatnot and find it that way. What was that process like, kind of re-rebranding yourself and showing another completely different side to you musically?
2: Oh, oh. I mean, again,
1: I don't know if I'm speaking very generally or if it was kind of this process, but it seems like I'm always with, like, from Kitty to Amphibious Assault, there was the, oh, you're a metal chick to now you are a... Industrial person to then with uh to the solo stuff to being, I mean, there's a couple of like straight up kind of more alternative indie rock kind of vibes to it at times. Yep, so at that point, like I said, again, like if you go to through your your list of what influenced you, it doesn't come as a surprise when you go in back and listen to everything because it's a good cross section of everything is there. But I think if you just go through and you're not, if you haven't read that list, everything might catch you off guard because you're expecting it to be one thing. Um, So what was the process like of re rebranding yourself at that point?
2: At that point. Yeah. And it's funny because that record actually started out as an amphibious assault record. And then I changed my mind um, about it afterwards because I'm like, I need more guitars in this. I need more of this. And it was, it just kind of became this, this oh, its own monster, uh, in and of itself. So, why did, um, so it was it was very stressful. I think because I had this vision, but I didn't know how to realize it. Because first of all, I didn't have a band, so I, I'm like, okay, how do, how do how do I go about doing this? And it just kind of took on its own life. Um, so it was it was stressful. That's that's what I'll say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why why have you why was the amphibious assault amphibious assault not your solo project per se
2: um I, I think it was because i was originally envisioned amphibious assault to be a very uh, political band okay. group uh sorry i guess solo project um <laughs> with a very large component of it being with a political message <clears throat> did you because as I say, did you came, not
1: want to tie your, your name to that and kind of get a little distance from it? Or was it not even that much thought out? Uh,
2: it wasn't that much thought out, to be honest. Okay. I think it was just because of the political climate at the time, being in 2002. Right. Um, it was, um, you know, it, it's much like what's going on now. It's just a really heavy political time. Um, a lot of shit was going on and, and so i kind of got caught up in that fervor and 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 it just came out in my in musically um but then there were other things going on so it so it wasn't necessarily going to be political anymore because it was like also a lot of love songs and stuff like that but in done music in industrial so yeah i i think it's very indicative of my personality there's just there's so much duality going on there's so much sh- sh- stuff that's <laughs> like this black and white that are feuding with each other um that's that's basically my life is two two forces feuding with each other so
1: (laughs) kind of a a weird speaking of duality a weird uh i don't even know the word i'm looking for um (laughs) how much of with you being so much into i mean with your degree being in kind of the past and and our history as a whole even if it's very specific to a you know a certain subculture or a time frame how much of that maybe affects what you write at all or inspires you lyrically like at all
2: um i did i still have it actually it's on a hard drive somewhere um i have a, a song that i wrote in latin that i was gonna do uh it's sitting somewhere and I don't know what to do with it so it it, as a direct influence yes that that is is definitely there Um, but uh, other than that not not much although I haven't really explored it to be honest and I probably should
1: I was gonna say I feel like sometimes in going through your tumblr which is more or less a blog at times to things yeah yeah I feel like with some of the stuff that you you no pun intended digging up um, (laughs) That, uh, potentially that you could maybe write a pretty interesting, like, concept record around something that your 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 day job is is allowing you to find and, and kind of unearth. Another, again, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> these, these things just come sometimes. Um, I know, right? But it seems like you would have a wealth of material to draw from. And sometimes it's, you know, you constantly talk about, like, oh, the... My my musical muse isn't there, and I feel like there's the potentially is at least lyrically maybe you know being able to step outside of yourself or even your own f- things you're doing to be able to write about something else and just approach it from a, a more of a creative writing aspect. Yeah.
2: I, well, and I also think to some degree I I miss writing with other people. I find sometimes writing by myself is quite isolating. And I need the uh, the enthusiasm of another person, I think, to bounce off of, and I think that that is what's been hindering me for the past four four or five years <laughs> since, since since Human Conditional came out. I'm like, I, I need to write with someone or to do a, a, a something with somebody because by myself I'm I'm completely like a, a horrible case of writer's block. It's horrible and I have all this music I'm like oh, I have everything but I'm just like this sucks <laughs> like, I don't I wouldn't want to listen to this this is horrible like and then I'll just delete it uh, or save it to a, dra- uh, a drive and it just sits there for five years like it has so, so yeah I, I think th- I definitely could look at it from a different perspective sure
1: it's just uh, as someone who kind of read your like I said read through your stuff it seems like you have a knack for, for putting people like when you were, this uh I thought this was interesting because, and granted, you can't see me, but um, as someone who is a heavily tattooed person, when you were describing your your trip to the is it sento or sento,
2: yeah, okay. the sento, sento, okay, yeah,
1: um, the bathhouse basically, and your experience there, um, <laughs> you did a and reading through your your trips that you had been taking, uh do really good about describing you know situations and and what's going on like very very well written so i always find it kind of interesting i found it kind of interesting that you would then you know after going on for a long thing kind of describing a quick little you know event that happened would be like oh i wish i could find something to write about i'm just having a hard time and very much just like you said like i wrote something and it sucked and so i might cannibalize it for something else down the road but on the same token i'm like but you you do have a, a really right you do write and you're really good <laughs> at it uh and are able to evoke you know the senses of like you know the the warm salty water and the green or the green water and you know putting someone in, into a place so i i found it kind of interesting that you have a hard time writing and the weird thing is though is through talking to some other people who are lyricists or the singers or whatever of whatever they yeah. do that most everybody is like i hate writing <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't write very often, and when I do, I'm not a fan of it, and it's kind of a necessary evil. Um, yep. So it's it's interesting. I, I'd
2: say resounding. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just because we're. I, I'm I, me personally. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm so afraid of what people are going to think about. And it's not even really music, like lyrically. Like I don't think my lyri- my lyrics are kind of. Mm, they kind of come secondary to everything else because I'm such a perfectionist when it comes to these things. And even at the end of the day, I'm like, this isn't really perfect, but okay. Um, and that's my issue. And I think that's, that is not just me. I think a lot of, a lot of musicians and a lot of, you know, people that do this kind of stuff that they just need, we just need that, like push out the door, like just fucking do it. Like, you know, (laughs) And 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 when I was writing my master's thesis, this exact same thing happened. My my supervisor looked at me. He's like, "Fallon, what is the problem? What's the problem, really? Like, really, what's is the issue? You you've written hundred and eighty pages worth of work. Just you're fucking done. Just do it." <laughs> what
1: <Well, laughs> well, actually, I thought was interesting about that story, and kind of again doing my research on on uh, the pieces I didn't know about what you had been doing in your life uh you saying that it took someone else's music to inspire you to finish that so it like again very much piggybacking off of what you're saying where you need to find that that inspiration from somebody else uh I for, i'm forgetting the two musicians that you said you had listened to uh but they were very ambient and uh
2: oh yeah um signrider and lbn six, six, seven. Yeah. yeah
1: um yeah so i mean at that point i thought that was int- like that was something i kind of picked up on where you basically were saying you were couldn't figure out what you were doing, or I guess the the theme or whatever it is um, yeah. that it took something something else music related for you, for you to find your muse to to finish.
2: Yeah, I need. That's what I needed was the push, and I my mean, my supervisor was like, just just do whatever you need to do. Like you know you've got time and and whatnot. But I think it was just because their music, and I even I I emailed the the singer or the the writer I guess behind one of those groups. And I thanked him, because I'm like, your music actually did something. I don't know what it did, but it did something. And I finished 180 pages worth of writing. So thank you. But, um, uh, and I, like, I wrote him, like, this whole, and he probably thought I was the biggest friggin' weirdo, and, like, <laughs> writing him this whole, like, your music does this to me. Because sometimes I get messages like that from people, too, and I'm like, really? Like, I was just gonna ask I made... Know. Uh, like, uh, I was in my basement just like tinkering around, and I thought that this sounded cool. And, you know, I drank a little bit too much in my basement, and I started dancing to it. So I'm like, okay, this must be good because someone's going to want to dance to it if they're drunk. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I was like writing about how it evoked small town America and all this stuff to me. And he's like, thank you.
1: <laughs> you like poured your heart and soul out to him, and he just goes, thank you. <laughs>
2: he was like yeah i'm glad it worked for you period (laughs) nothing i'm like okay (laughs) he totally creeped him out Um, yeah
1: so i I think you said you're obviously in canada now um yep where without getting too personal like i live on blah 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 street i was kind of surprised through looking up some stuff that you have lived in Italy. You lived in Denmark, and I think you lived one other place outside of Canada that I was shocked. I didn't know that you were as international as you, more so than you had been.
2: I think, and I've uh, said this to other people that touring um, and living out of a suitcase for you know three years of my life has, and I, I think also other experiences in my life just being you know, immigrating, emigrating to this country and stuff like that. Like I've always felt very nomadic and I could never stay in one place for a long time. So touring in a band, I mean, that, that's a nomad's dream. It's just like, we have no roots, (laughs) we have no roots just a suitcase and we just travel around. And I think that has uh, profoundly affected me actually.
1: I feel like that would either be the greatest thing ever or it would make me be more of a hermit than I'm already becoming. <laughs> because at that point, you're not really... If you know that you're probably going to pack up and leave, then I feel like the the other end of that would be that you're not... You don't need people to make you happy. So at that point, you're not going to make more new friends just to leave and be like, all right, see you later, bye. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and you're <laughs> right. That That's a very uh, real uh, sort of consequence of being nomadic. <laughs> So, uh, but generally wherever I've gone, uh, I've always made friends or people that I could, you know,
1: stay on their couch. It's, it's been kind of weird though. Like a friend of ours that is kind of in the same nomadic, I mean, she's settled down, but Mm -hmm. she uh, lives out in Portland, Oregon now. Oh yeah. And she posted something on Twitter. She was like, I don't know how, how you're supposed to find new friends as we get older because I mean, you're so set in who you are. And it's not like it used to be where it's like, oh, do you like the color purple? Yeah, Wee! let's be friends. All right, oh. best friends now. I've kind of, like I said, I've, I've been thinking a lot about my my youth and how it relates to other people and just kind of people and, and thinking more about people in our lives as a whole. And that's something that I, I kind of realized as well that it's like, man, when you, we do hit a certain age, it is a lot harder because we are who we are, false and all. Yep. And maybe someone right away will be like... Nah, you're kind of damaged and broken. Yeah. Nah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I feel like I, I kind but, of gravitate towards people that are damaged and broken. And, and that has always been, that's always been the case. Even still, I still do it. I'm like, okay, you're kind of weird. I kind of like weird people. Um, but I like, yeah, and it, it's very, it's very true that uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. Like that you, you know, I, I, when my, my partner and I are living in Denmark my
1: I love that you call him that by the way. Sorry. I a few interviews you've done that I've heard. You call him your partner and I find that very interesting.
2: <laughs> he is my partner though. He's my partner in life.
1: No, for sure. And yeah. but I mean it's it's not a term a lot of people use. Like it's like you don't hear someone call it what it really is. I mean, you are a partner. Yeah. It is a partner in your life and you and and in many facets without having really met very many Canadians <laughs> I don't know if that's a can- a Canadian term that's to to show you know the relationship as as it are as it is uh, or if that's just something that is a is a you a you thing, it's a me uh, th- I,
2: I, I, but no you know what i've I haven't met many people that do say that to be honest with you um maybe one or two other people um, that are from my hometown, especially uh, and i I just I like the fact that people when i say partner unless i use the pronoun him or he him or whatever i like the fact that people can't know what his what the person's gender is like i i like because i don't like people to assume those sorts of things right so because people can either assume okay well maybe she's gay or i don't know she's gay and i'm like well you can think whatever you want to think but you know was that
1: actually that's that's something i've kind of wondered too how much of that did you get uh Um, none and and, i'm really personally none no (laughs) because i know like i said and as i said earlier and i guess i'll 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 divulge this kind of embarrassing (laughs) anecdote. growing up like my wife and i i'm two months older than my wife and we have a lot of the same basis for things and a lot of the same you know stories kind of growing up between being into the same bands, so on and so forth yeah. and one of the things that you know we both kind of grew up in it was the you know love of new metal as it were or bands you know around the time you got you all came out mm-hmm. and so i remember as we were just talking she was like you know as i said people always would say she looked like pretty much as she jokes every member of kitty ever because <laughs> uh, no one actually takes the time to know who they are they just know it's an all-female metal band yeah, so yeah. therefore if you have short hair and are you know, not a blonde girl that's, you know, typical all-American girl. Oh, you're you're a girl that looks like someone from Kitty. But as I was saying, <laughs> uh-huh. at the same time that she was kind of going through that, I was going through having a photo of you in my locker from your first record and yes. <laughs> getting, getting ridiculed for liking a girl who looks weird and she has weird colored hair yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And remembering how that made me feel as someone coming into my own as a, as a as a young adult as a young male, yeah, and feeling like what's what's wrong with this person, but I remember feeling ostracized for thinking that I like someone for a few things, and it's like everyone's like, well, she's weird, she's ugly, whatever, she's and not then, so like my proxy it's like
2: you're your typical. she's not like everybody else, yeah, yeah,
1: it's one of those things where I know how i like how I had to deal with it and how my wife you know basically was lumped in with you know oh you must you're like one of these girls you're like one of the members of kitty because you look like this Mm -hmm. and it's so it's like i imagine on the flip side of that it's like okay like you probably got that being the person that's like oh well you know you are that person in that band i mean you had mentioned in your your blog thing courtney love being a huge influence on you being being able to see that a woman could be in a quote unquote mainstream band that you could have this angst, that you could be who you are unapologetically and still succeed and thrive and so forth. You know, it's something I've kind of always wondered, like I'm, I'm, I'll never be a woman uh, (laughs) and I'll never understand what it's like growing up in the early, you know, night, late nineties, early two thousands when it, the internet wasn't really as big of a thing to, to find that there are more people like you uh, and have the same interests as you. So, I don't know. I, I've kind of always wondered what it was like for you, like as well, if you kind of got a lot of the shit into that, like,
2: yeah, like what's so like both men and women, like, does, are you trying, are you really trying to offend me by saying that? And that's not to say that I've never gotten that before, but I, I rarely did. But, um, you know, there were people that just kind of assumed that we were because we were females in a metal band because clearly you can't be straight and do this kind of work. <laughs> I was like, okay, which I always found very interesting. That you know, I don't like people making those kinds of assumptions, but people are going to regardless. Uh, I always thought that's so interesting. Of like, what you like, and I remember that was a lot question that we got a lot. Like, you know, what's your sexuality? Like, what the what does it matter what my sexuality is?
1: The weird part is, and looking, like I said, I've been kind of doing a lot of looking back in preparation for this, just trying to remember where I was, you know, around the time of, of the band being, you know, at the the height of the first record and talking with my wife, you know, like we obviously didn't know each other, but mm-hmm. some recollections of memories that we both had. So I kind of had like different perspectives on it. And it's really weird. Like from my perspective, I remember telling her, I was like, I feel like as a, as a man looking back, I feel like there was a, a really creepy... Sexual undertone that like the industry put on you, like they're underage and they like metal and
0: blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was
1: like, and maybe that's like putting 10-15 years behind behind it to where that's my memory now. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you know, when my wife was talking about it, she was like, Well, I mean, look at like you know, boy bands. They did it to them too. And I was like, But there's a huge difference. I go, Okay, like let's let's go down that road, let's talk about boy bands. I go I had a lot of uh, friends and their sisters love Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or whoever, sure. whatever side of the fence you fell on. And I go, you know what I remember about them? I love Justin Timberlake because Justin Timberlake seems like he would be the kind of guy that sit with me and cuddle and talk <laughs> about my day and like make me feel better. And I go, now flip that. And I go, here's what I remember about dudes talking about members of like Kitty and shit like that or like, we'll even say Christina Aguilera. I bet she fucks real yeah. good or something yeah. like that yeah. or sexualizes them. And I was like... It's not the same flipped around. And even trying to go in the pop in, pop world, it's like, it's not the Definitely same. Like, it's not, the, not the same at all. But you
2: know what? I think it's just, just as bad in, 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 in metal as well. Maybe even mm. worse. For
1: sure. And, like, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Otep the last couple of days, and she's super outspoken. And, and I was trying to remember when she kind of more or less came on the scene. But I love the fact that she's outspoken, and she just kind of doesn't take any shit from anybody, male or female. Yeah. You know? And I felt like that was kind of the vibe that you collectively as, as Kitty put out as well. Like, but how much of that is like a publicist telling you to do that yeah. and play it up or to, to sell things? Because obviously we know sex sells yeah. or how much of that was Nothing. like the collective, the group of you all coming out and just kind of fucking with everyone and being like, this is what you think we are. I and mean, fuck it. That's what we'll be.
2: <laughs> I think it was just like <laughs> shock. Because we're all yes. about the shock, yes. right? Like, it's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe she just said that on national TV. That's kind of what I, I – and it was just natural. Like, we just – we saw the sort of uncomfortable, uh, you know, shuffling of an interviewer or whatever, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're on the right track. <laughs> okay, let's just keep going with this. So – especially if it was a male, because that was pretty, pretty easy. <laughs> but <laughs> –
1: I definitely know it was something, like I said, that made me... It's something I've thought of, and it's something that made me feel really awkward to even remotely want to bring up. But in hearing some of your other interviews and hearing how you just are very open, uh, at least you very specifically, um, made me feel a little bit more at ease at, at bringing it up because it's... The intention isn't to sound like a creepy fucking weird dude who's like, ugh, that's... I see it enough. Sometimes it shows and it's, it's fucking gross. It's, gross.
2: it's disgusting.
1: It's very gross. Yeah.
2: And, and you know what? I think a lot of it is, is it's accepted and encouraged in, and, uh, and especially in metal, which I think was really difficult to see as a, a young female. Um, you know, I always had inherently had a problem with, uh, bands that had like, you know, strippers as part of their onstage show. I'm like, what exactly, you know, I, I, and all the power to the girl doing it, if she wanted to do it or whatever, like I'm 100% a feminist. I'm like, you, you do you, woo! But um, <laughs> at the same time, I, I, I don't like this perpetuation of, you know, the, the sex object thing that has, you know, started in, I don't know, maybe the 80s or whatever with Motley Crue, who knows. But, you know, it was like this this hardcore sexualization of women and then even when they had a band, like, remember Vixen? The band Vixen? Yes. Yes. Um, yep. You know, th- there was this this kind of kitschy aspect to them as well. Like, they were this, oh, they were this band or whatever that was, like, kind of hard rock or whatever. But there were also these sexy women. And I always thought that was so weird. I'm like, what? Why? Like.
1: <sighs> the only other band I've really ever thought of that kind of fit the same vibe that I felt like was kind of put on Kitty as a whole would have been the mm-hmm. runaways.
2: Yeah, totally. And I don't
1: I don't know if that was ever an influence between for any of you ladies in the band, but I looking back, kinda of feel like there are a lot of parallels between what you all went through collectively yeah. between the runaways and, and kitty, but even more to the fact of you bringing up Vixen, even Lita Ford, like look yeah. at how she was presented. Yep. And it's like she could rip on a guitar and like wrote really good songs. But unfortunately, like when the videos were the, the driving force, it's like, all right, well, here you are in like a weird leather, like leotard thing or, a yeah, or whatever.
2: Like, and, what? And it's like,
1: but you're not, even, you're not even playing your guitar. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, <laughs> that's and actually I, I what you should be known for.
2: Yeah. And the, I thought that was always very strange, but like, you know, the way that we dress it for, and you can, even when you look at pictures of us starting at the very beginning, um, you know, we had a sort of, we were really heavily influenced by glam rock. So we were wearing all these kind of glam rocky clothes but then people started looking at us in the wrong way, thinking, "Oh, okay, you're that kind of band." And we're like, "No, no, 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 no. We're, we're, you know." And we felt that we had to change the way that we looked in order for people to make take us seriously. And and that is a that that is a that that's a, an unfortunate reality of what it is like to be at that time, anyways, to be a female in that uh, in in that genre, was that you know you couldn't you couldn't do you couldn't wear a skirt without someone being like. Ah! You're that kind of girl, then, eh? Let's actually talk about
1: that because we were discussing that earlier about how on your cover was it was it Hole or Veruca Salt? One hole. of the two you had. Okay, Hole that you yeah. covered and got some shit apparently from a dude who now you're friends with still,
0: uh, <laughs> friends, calling you out saying yeah. that. They-
1: i i can hear the air quotes <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: and as much as anyone's friends nowadays with people from high school right um yeah. or whatever Probably it was grade eight i think yeah that uh apparently you you got shit for putting your foot on the monitor yeah. or while you were wearing a skirt or a dress or whatever it yeah. was yeah i feel like that's super <laughs> absurd
2: <sighs> yeah and I, I remember he said it <laughs> he said it so candidly like you know like nonchalantly,
1: sort of, like just very
2: like sort of off the cuff and and I was so hurt. I'm like, what the who the fuck do you think you are by saying that? Like really? Who the hell are you? You're some random fucking loser dude in you know <laughs> I was so angry, I couldn't believe it, and I I remember telling the girls after I'm like, You know Blank said this to me? This <laughs> fucker? <laughs> that dickless piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah um and that's not the first time actually there was another guy who i am not friends with on facebook because he tried to and i blocked him because i was still i'm still i'm still fucking mad about this uh and no jokes about girls holding grudges but you know this is the thing (laughs) when we first started we first got signed um i remember talking to him on the phone and he's like oh you know great great and he he had a band too and he was kind of you know, struggling a little bit because he really wanted to get signed and blah, blah, blah. So I'm telling him we got signed and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, it's so wonderful. It's so great. You know, whatever. He's like, yeah, but the, you know the reason why you guys got signed, though, right? And I'm like, uh, uh please, pray, te- pray tell. Why is it that we've gotten signed, buddy? And he's like, oh, well, because you're girls. Like, I mean, that that's generally what it comes down to. And I, I, I got to pull the phone away from my, ha- my hat. I'm like... This motherfucker, like, really, and I, and, and you know what, I, I, and you unfortunately have to take it, you have to take it, and then deflect. You know, you 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 learn that I think you're conditioned as as a girl to sort of sometimes, you know, take it and be like, huh, that didn't just happen. But then, you know, you reach like your boiling point after a while, and I'm like, you know what, fuck you, like. Who the hell do you think you are? And I, saw, I did see him uh, after I left the band, too, and he's like, how's it going? I'm like, I, I, I still hate you.
0: <laughs> I still hate you. I Not can't defiable. get it out of my blood. Yeah, so.
1: My wife, actually, in the job career in the pharmaceutical industry that she works in, um, mm-hmm. but as I've heard from other women, because I go out and drink with her female coworkers, mm-hmm. so I hear a lot of the shittiness of the like their industry and how people are putting them down and i'm around a lot of this and i hear a lot of this so it just makes me hate <laughs> it makes I me hate, hate a lot of men
2: everyone no it, it more so true. men
0: because i more see so, it yeah but because
2: a lot of it i think it's just a, a um a, a showing of, of, of really horrible insecurity and then it's it's this and you can see it, like when people like that. I, I work with people like that, especially doing archaeology here um, in southern Ontario. A lot of these guys are, you know, you're just you're, run, you're like really regular dudes, and then they'll just say things. You're like, what fucking planet do you think that that's okay to talk about? Like, just don't. And then they Out of get- curiosity.
1: Is it a is it a very male centric
2: job yes. field as well? Yes. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, still, it's the stereotypical old white man in uh in a sort of tilly hat and um, uh that, and that that's and that's uh that's a whole other story um but you know if it just it, it then it just comes off and you're like what why why and then they get mad at you because you react <laughs> Like what do you, do you want me to not say anything because i'm gonna say something what you said is inappropriate, but um and and the thing the difference with me now as opposed to then i I generally wouldn't say anything, but now I just don't give a shit because I'm having to deal with it since I was like fourteen, so
1: <laughs> I guess kind of in closing on this because I'm sure people love hearing me discuss like men suck, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but on the flip side of that though, like uh between a few women that I know and I'm I'm kind of loving the camaraderie that's that's going on and and kind of the the inclusive uh if I can borrow from Jamie Josta, yeah. the inclusive <laughs> not exclusive uh like vibe going on between women so much even so to the the marches that we just had about a month ago I think at this point yeah yep. so i mean as someone who's i mean you've kind of talked about things going on here in the states how much of these things that have been going on have has kind of impacted you abroad
2: um, I don't think you can escape it. No matter how much, if you want to, you can't. Because I don't think that the time to sit around and do nothing or, or not con- consume what you're seeing is now. Uh, it's, you know, na- never I think these, these issues need to be talked about and not uh, swept under the, the uh, carpet anymore. And um, I, for one, was really just... Dis- to do it or any of that uh stuff because i there there was a time like a there was one in copenhagen but i wasn't um like i didn't really know anybody that was involved with it or whatever so was like how do i get involved with this but uh there wasn't one and no no you know what i was in italy at the time when they were having one in copenhagen and there was not one in italy where i was which i found interesting i'm like hmm, no women's march here okay but um at any rate, I, I think that you you just you can't escape it. Of course it's gonna be uh, you know, the, the, the times and the and the turbulence that's going on there um is infectious. It's sort of like, you know, all the atoms are moving and things are crashing together. It's like stuff is happening. It's kind of exciting but also very scary and and, and you know, that we get to we, that we're living through this right now. So of course it's it's definitely affected me. Um, also, just, um, you know, we're talking about uh, material for writing music and stuff like that. Like, I mean, this is the perfect time. And I love how everybody, as soon as Donald Trump was um, uh, elected as president, elected. everybody on my Facebook was like, well, you know, the best punk music came out in the eighties. Yes, everybody—they're yes. like, I'm like, okay, so we're just gonna have like, you know, the next De- Den Kennedys or the next whoever is gonna come out and blow our minds. But uh, yeah, I or even that, to
1: that effect, like uh, Ministry, like when they put out NWO and a lot of the stuff off of that record. Even. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Time is ripe for good music, apparently. But um, so, are uh, you yeah. writing
1: more now, being inspired by any of this, or absolutely, hmm. sure. Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. I, I. mean, like, like I said, I've had. I've been away from my musical equipment. I didn't have a guitar or anything with me when I was there because it's too expensive to me to bring everything over. Um. But now I think there's 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 no shortage of uh of things to think about and to compose if I need to.
1: as, as I was listening to the was it the TKS or the TSK radio T- TKS show? yeah okay um you had talked about your writing process a little bit on that uh, as far as like amphibious assault and even the the solo career uh, stuff for it's human conditional, right? Yeah,
2: you got it. Yep.
1: Okay. Awesome. I sometimes have a tendency to flip things around and I was like, conditional human doesn't (laughs) sound right, but it it sounds like it'd be a a rather cool record, maybe more for amphibious assault style stuff. But with that being the case, you had talked about your writing process. The thing that kind of struck me, especially with amphibious assault to me sort of being something that would probably be deemed more as a solo project initially. Mm-hmm. You had talked about how the drummer, the drummer was especially the the thing that helps you vibe and kind of create like a, uh, I guess a vibe. I just said it um, <laughs> for a song or where it's going as someone who is so into, I want to just, generalize it by saying industrial but like electronic music and things that don't necessarily require there to be other people present Mm -hmm. but having already admitted that you vibe better off of other people yeah um how how is it that you are drawn to something that requires you to to allows you to be so independent but that you're also not uh, able to, to find the creative spark sometimes unless there's another person there.
2: Yeah, it's very, very hard to reconcile. Absolutely. Um, I find that what was great about um, doing, like in between Amphibious Assault and Human Conditional, I did have a band that I brought all of these sort of skeleton Amphibious Assault stuff to a real drummer and to a real band which was amazing, which is exactly what I needed. But everybody was in their own bands and doing their own thing. And it was, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. But I was like, ah, this is exactly what I need. And then poof, it was gone. (laughs) So it's, um, it is very, very difficult to reconcile. Uh, I like the independence, but I also hate it at the same time. And again, that that goes with the two opposing forces that I was telling you about earlier. You are a jerk. Get off of there.
1: Not me, people, not me.
2: Yeah, sorry, not you not you. He he's trying to get my attention. Uh I see you, don't worry.
1: Are you still a fan um, like have you found that like it's it's still hard to be a fan of music and going to live live it, shows? Actually no, I know that's yeah. that's that's wrong because you just admitted that you were a a fan of uh signwriter and I already blanked on the other dude's and name.
2: L P N six six seven, yeah. Yeah. But they I'm pretty sure they don't tour. They're from uh both of them I think are from Milwaukee, which is strange. Um it, that they're completely not related, as far as I know, there's not the same guy, but anyway. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. The last show that I went to was digitalism, actually. What um, is that? Uh they are like this do du- this German duo of like dance music kind of not dance, they're like more like house, I guess, or techno, if you want to say. <laughs> um, you know, kind of big with bros and stuff like that, but I, I uh, really, I kind of, you know, really dig them. But, um, before that would have been V Nation and Combi Christ. Um, but it, it, I think in my heart, if I'm going to ever, if I'm going to pay for a show, um, it'll be for V Nation, romstein or Deftones. I'm going to see doubt, Deftones
1: like, very soon and I'm very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of something I was thinking of. So with that being said, um, let's uh, wrap this up. Where can people find you, sure. your socials?
2: My social, my social needs. <laughs> um, so my social meds, most of them is all at Fallon Bowman. So that's Twitter, Snapchat, um, Facebook even, I think it's just Fallon Bowman. I I've, I've, There aren't many Fallon Bowmans in the world. So generally, if you uh, type that in, that's where I am. Um. Any, there isn't really anything new coming up with me aside from I'm trying to work on my YouTube channel right now. Um, to try and do more travel vlogs. It's something that I wanted to 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 work on because a lot of people are like, yeah, we we like your vlogs. You should do more. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but uh, this is me doing stuff, and it's crazy. People like that kind of thing. Oh
1: reading your story about the the lady who didn't speak your language and just throwing up the the Xs with her fingers saying no 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 like i was i honestly like the what? honestly where i went with it i thought it was your hair dye cuz you made it seem like you had your hair colored and that maybe it was running in the pool or that they were afraid it would saturate the pool so that was my thought initially was that you yeah. that you had hair dye going in the pool and they were afraid of that not that you had a tattoo on your back and then as soon as yeah. you are like, as soon as you're like, I mean, there's the Yakuza. I was like, yeah, there's the Yakuza, but like they don't have thumbs <laughs> or is it pinkies? Yeah. Thumbs or pinkies? The other
2: thing is that, you know, I, I, now that when I'm thinking back on it, I think it was like a combination of things, but it was more so that my hair was actually down.
1: Oh, which, is that a thing? Is that a thing is, in their culture?
2: That's also a thing in their cultures that, the, you, know that, you know, your hair needs to be covered so that it doesn't like. it's a hygienic thing as well Ah. so i was thinking like was it about the tattoos or was it about my hair um being down and and, you know and she was she was gesturing and it was so aggressive i'm like what (laughs) what is your problem lady like fuck off like really
1: but anyway i will let you get back to feeding your cat (laughs) he's
2: staring at me right now like You were supposed to be done like 20 minutes ago.
1: I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me today. And like I said, I was really apprehensive about uh, asking you initially. You were one of the first, I'd say like five or six guests I really wanted to reach out to and and get. So I was really thankful and shocked that you were so uh, energetic about it and wanting to do it.
2: Anytime, buddy. Anytime. Like I'm pretty, a lot of ways, kind of an open book. So people like if they email me, I'm never going to be like, oh people i don't want to talk to them or whatever no i'm not like that i never have been and I never
1: would, so. you made the comment that most everybody that's uh commenting on your, your thing you recognize their usernames you recognize them yep. from other things so i mean like obviously yep. it seems like you have a, a, a very uh close relationship with your fans or uh, even to the point of being friends or whatever um sure. last question i have just because i just did a podcast with uh matt mixon who did the misery signals documentary that's been in the works for three years now Oh. Uh, I I know you you all have posted collectively and on on their socials that you all were getting together for your 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 interviews collectively probably for the for the retrospect as a whole. But is there a yep. tentative time frame where you maybe have a release date for this thing, or are we still looking at at least another year or so?
2: No, it'll definitely be this year. I know that it is actually completed. Okay. Um. Uh. And I think that there's going to be more since uh Trish's passing, I feel like there's gonna yeah, be more of a to push to try and yeah no I mean that that's that was really came out of you know left field that whole situation was really crazy and 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 I think now that there's gonna be more of a push to try and get it out um sooner rather than later since it's as far as I know it is actually done so have you
1: have you seen a rough cut of it like or is
2: it like' cause, like with the misery signals thing
1: like they decided to try to shop it to a couple of like uh film film festivals and such
0: like festivals yeah is there yeah.
1: like a push to maybe do that with it and get a wider release or is it just strictly going to be for the fans getting it out and it, it's going to live like the way it does digitally or whatever
2: <laughs> i think probably the latter as far as i know that's that there wasn't any bigger plans for it uh, at the moment anyways okay yeah
1: well i know that's outside of the the documentary i just mentioned that was one of the other ones i was very interested in seeing just due to the the. Whole, Expansive history of the band and how many members it's included and where, yeah. everyone, where everyone's lives have gone and, and all that. So yeah. it's definitely something I'm looking forward to whenever it drops. So
0: certainly, certainly.
1: Well, again, thank you for your time and go ahead and <laughs> feed your cat because I'm sure he's very hungry.
2: <laughs> he's still looking at me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wanted to thank you very much for for this uh, opportunity. I think I I love chatting to people about. You know, whatever. If you want to, even if it's not about the Deftones, you know, call me. We'll talk about things.
1: <laughs> well, I will be definitely in touch to do a, a Deftones podcast because that sounds like a lot yeah. of fun to me.
0: Nice! I'm so excited. Well,
1: there we go. Uh, so we can look forward <laughs> to doing that down the road in the, in the next uh, few months of the year, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, sounds good. So again, thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your night.
2: Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Lots of uh, cool information of uh, when Kitty was just starting off and... What she's been up to, and I don't know very many archaeologists uh, in real life, so it was really cool to kind of discuss a little bit about the process of how she came to that profession. And I'm really looking forward to the Deftones discography run through that we we have planned. We have a, a start date of when we're going to go through Adrenaline, uh, and then we'll kind of go from there through the rest of the album in chronological order. But really looking forward to getting into these records and talking about them in, at great length uh, as as a band that we both love. Uh, speaking of love, if you want to show me some love, you can head over to Facebook at John's Untitled Podcast or Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. That's John's, J-O-N-S, no H. Uh, Twitter, John's Untitled Pod. And if for whatever reason you want to email me, you can do such at Johns Untitled Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. So if you use any of those... Follow, rate, review, subscribe, whatever it is that that specific medium has you do to follow me and get this podcast, please do it. Uh, got a lot of great guests lined up, and hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the past episodes that are already out there. If you haven't, go back and listen to those now. Uh, you can tell that I'm learning a lot from the uh, Talk To Me podcast with Josh being able to segue right into these things and knowing his socials off the top of his head, uh, which will be my guest next week, uh, Joshua Toomey. Uh, and I sat down a couple of weeks ago and discussed some things and uh, since then actually there's been a little controversy that sparked from it but um, we will get into that when that episode gets posted next week so be on the lookout for that uh, Fallon recently just posted a video on her YouTube channel, uh, you can find it under Fallon Bowman TV, you can find her on all of her socials at Fallon Bowman like she said in the episode, and without further ado, we end the episode every week with a song, we actually debated for a little while about which song it would be and why, and we came to the conclusion that it would be Risk, so without further ado, here's the Deftones with Risk, enjoy the rest of your week, see you next time.